Welcome to Fast Cars, Fast Girls. I'm your host, Abby Meyer. And this week, we are going to recap the race in Texas again with our good friend, Mike Knapp. So two weeks in a row, Mike. Thanks for joining me again. Yeah, thanks for having me on. You know, I always always love the opportunity to talk about IndyCar. So it's been, uh, been great to uh, be on these last couple episodes. Yeah, I've enjoyed it as well. It's always nice to have, say, have a fellow fanatic uh, yeah. on the show with me. <laughs> I don't know uh, if fanatic even even begins, but yeah. I know that might might be quite the understatement, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, the Texas, the Expel 375 at Texas Motor Speedway. Initial thoughts. Uh great event. I I mean I was I was down there for the weekend. The the weather was beautiful. Um you know, I, I, Texas should be a night race, and we can get into all that later. But for the fact it was uh, it was a day race, and the weather was spectacular. I mean, sun was out. It was in the high 70s. Uh, really caught a break for the weekend because um, Friday, you know, it was really windy, really crappy. Saturday and Sunday were great. And then Monday, it was rainy and windy and and you know, how things go in Texas this time of year. So, you know, we really caught a break weather-wise for the the weekend and couldn't have been better. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And the race was, the race was really good. I, I don't remember the number in terms of on-track passes, but um, there was more passing than there had been in the past. Uh, We had a last minute pass to win the race. So, um, you know, uh, several drivers just looking at the box score. I mean, there were several drivers that, uh, improved at least 10 spots, um, yeah. to their finishing from their starting. Like for instance, uh, Marcus Erickson started 14th mm-hmm. and finished third. Um, Jimmy Johnson started 18th, finished sixth. Um, Santino Perucci goes from 27th to ninth. I mean, uh, yeah. David Malukas, who we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit later, drove a heck of a race, went from 19th to 11th in his first IndyCar Oval. So um, there was, a, you know, the possibility. And I picked um, on my blog, I can't remember on uh, what we recorded last week, who I thought was going to win. But um, I posted a little blog post on Sunday morning and, and said, well, if there's passing, then I think Joseph Newgarden's going to win. And uh, there was enough passing to uh to get him to the front so uh it was a little bit different of a race i don't know you know from a couple of drivers standpoint they thought the the issue with the pj1 was a little bit better so um hopefully that that keeps improving if the series goes back to texas but yeah otherwise i i mean you know i wish the crowd had been bigger um i wish the the tv viewership had been bigger but Whoever wasn't there, whoever wasn't watching on TV missed, uh, especially the last 100 laps or so, they missed a really good race. Oh, it was a hell of a race. It really was. It was. That last-minute pass, were you like, yes, Joseph, or were you like, ah? A little bit of both. Um, You know, Scott McLaughlin's all of a sudden fun. Yeah. He's always, yeah, I say, he's, he's got a very fun personality. Right, but I mean, watching him race now is fun. It is, it, yeah. You know, he, it's it, like he needed to really kind of get his sea legs last year, and and now he's he's in the groove. 
Yeah, I, I mean, he led 186 laps. I, I think I saw a stat today that uh, he's led more laps in the first two races than Alex Pillow led, period, all of last season in winning the championship. Wow. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, I think a Newgarden said um, in the press conference, he was like, you know, with about two, two and a half laps I left, I conceded that I was going to be second. And then he said, all of a sudden we hit some traffic and I got a lot closer. And I was like, wait a minute, I can still win this race. So, um, you know, and I don't know how widespread he said this. It seemed like every interview he said this, um, you know, from, from where I was. But he was like, look, I decided if I was going to put it in the fence, I'm putting it in the fence. At least that means my teammate wins. You know, so so he once he he smelled that blood, I think he um, went after it. And, and, you know, McLaughlin said he probably should have covered it, but it's probably better he didn't. You yeah. know, he was like, I could have gotten up there and I could have made it difficult for him. But it's like, you know what? You, you know, losing in that matter sucks. Absolutely. But, you, you know, when you when you get the big picture and the fact that, you know, now he's got. In two races, he has 97 points, and whoever's in second place, and I'm looking at it now, um, Will Power's in second place, and he's already 28 points back. Yeah. So, you know, just keep piling these these good results, and he's going to win more races, obviously. Oh, but, definitely uh, he is. Definitely yeah. he is. I'm, I'm really regretting not picking him for our fantasy league. I know. I know. He was out there, too. I should have. I, I know. Kicking myself. <laughs> I made some poor choices. Well, um, three three of the four that are on my team, which I mean, we only get to pick two, and then we have our wild card. Right. Um, so two of my three that were on my official team for that for the race DNF'd, and then of the four that I just have to choose from, three of the four DNF'd. Right. It was I, a it was- rough race for me in fantasy. The only thing that saved me was I is I did pick McLaughlin as my wild card. So well done. Yeah, that's I, I went back and forth and I went with Rosenquist and that bit me in the ass. Yeah, yeah. And then the other fantasy league, I mean, I dropped like I I was second after St. Pete and now I'm 17th. So just a bad day all around. I I we <laughs> I mean I had I had an Andretti quite or type of day over the weekend. Yeah, yeah same, <laughs> same. Speaking of, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the Andretti, the Andretti kerfluffles. Um, first out, Alexander Rossi. Yeah, uh, I mean, he I, from the second they started off, I heard him over the radio saying he had an alarm saying low battery. Yeah, and yeah. or a, a light, a warning light. Um, or <laughs> my dad would call that an idiot light. Yeah, um, <laughs> because he. Um, was a mechanic on the side, and so he always felt that you should know what's wrong with your car before the light comes on. <laughs> so he's like, if you're not checking your oil and you have to wait till your car tells you that it's low, you, yeah. you don't deserve to own a car. It's a machine. <laughs> you need to treat it like a machine. So yeah, so we'd always call those idiot lights. Um, but yeah, so the idiot light came on for low battery so <laughs> rossi comes over and he's like uh so this just happened and basically was like what the fuck does that yeah. mean 
Like, what am I supposed to do? And eventually had to bring it into the pits and they thought it might be something easy. And it was not. Next thing you know, you see Rossi getting out of his car and quite displeased. I, yeah, um, I don't know what to, what to say for him. I don't know, you know, I don't know what, what, what can help because it just, I, you know, and, and Andretti now has not been good, neither of the two races, and he's had difficulty in both races, and it's just like, man, what do you tell this guy? It's like, whoa, we'll try harder next time. I right. mean, he's, he's your, you know, at least 1A. Maybe not your right. guy because of because of Herta, but you know, I mean, come on, your one A has got to be doing things. I mean, the guy didn't forget how to drive a drive a race car, and well, I saw, I saw somewhere is that Long Beach will be his one hundred start. So one hundred starts is where guys usually start, you know, ramping it up, and and that's when wins start coming a lot more a lot quick more quickly and and everything like that and he seems to be going the opposite direction and it's it's through no fault of his own it's mechanical gremlins and bullshit pit stops and i saw an interesting post talking about you know how rossi doesn't have great results um you know and it's a contract year and and somebody commented what I was thinking, which is something along the lines of, I think Andretti's the one that needs to be the most worried about the fact that it's a contract year. Yeah. Um, because they are not holding up their end as far as providing a decent car. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know exactly. what the what the deal is. Well, and obviously it was something with the Hondas and with Andretti because our next out was uh, Romain Grosjean. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, he and he looked really good. Uh, uh, you know, he did. I mean, um, you know, it's 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 a step up from you know a, a shorter, flatter track to this one than to Indianapolis, and and it seemed like he was really adjusting pretty well. Um, and I kind of talked. I I had a quick interview with him on. Um, saturday after after qualifying and yeah he he felt really confident about um how well he thinks he can drive on the ovals now and he was doing he you know he was inside the top 10 somewhere which you know he, he almost got to take him um at you know as far as like with ovals that he's still kind of uh he's still kind of a rookie um even though yes even though he had that race in st louis but but, you know, Texas tells more of the story because, I mean, it's, what, 40 miles an hour faster and um, higher banking and all that other kinds of stuff. So it was still a different kind of oval than what Very he was so. on last year. And, and I thought he was doing really well until he dropped out. Yeah, I did, too. I felt like he was doing a, a very good job. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, let's see. I'll just hit all of our cautions real quick. Uh, so the 51 of Sato. <laughs> yeah, I, I was actually, uh, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't see the two back-to-back crashes there. I was, um, um, getting a bite to eat, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, Sato being Sato and, you know. Well, it was, it was really like three back-to-back because Sato 
we had yellow from 99 to lap 112, and he yeah, crashed in turn yeah. one. Yeah. And then lap 114, Kyle Kirkwood crashed in turn four, and that and that lasted until lap 127. And then yep. lap 129 was the three-way crash yeah. with um, Alio, Graham, and Devlin DeFrancesco. Yeah, which, again, um, and, and we said we were going to get to DeFrancesco. Um, he need I don't know, he, he needs – he he hasn't impressed me either in either of the first two races, and I don't know if it's he's he's out of talent or he needs better coaching. I don't know what it is, but but I mean, you know, he he sort of had a hand in in Sato's incident, and then he you know wrecks and takes two other cars with him. People weren't very happy with them after St. Pete either, so. Um, you know, I, I was scratching my head over this signing when it happened, and now I'm even questioning even more because he's he's shown nothing in the first and, two races. And that is very uncharacteristic of a rookie on Andretti, because typically Andretti picks good rookies. Well, I mean, there was a, you know, whatever agreement the Steinbrenners had with with DeFrancesco and his dad led to him be, being in this seat. So, um, you know, which is kind of bizarre in itself, but he brings money and he's a full season guy. So, you know, nothing to worry about from a, from a financial standpoint, and unless he keeps wrecking cars and you keep having to build new ones. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, yeah. That might, <laughs> the ROI on that might not work out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I kind of harken back to what did I hear stat way back when Paul Tracy was a rookie and like in his first year he he destroyed three million dollars worth of cars. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're not even talking about um, you know my 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 good friend John Comiskey uh, was with Penske during the Paul Tracy era and. I mean, he wrecked cars during testing, not just in the race. I mean, you know, he's right. I mean, the dude was wrecking cars in testing. So, <laughs> so I'm sure that, you know, that, that's how they got to that three million. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, so, I'm sure. But yeah, I mean, you just the, the biggest thing, you know, in any sport or anything you do is. Um, you know, you're in a real bind if people can't trust you. And mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit where, you know, he's at. I don't think he's I don't think he's earned an ounce of trust so far. And no, I think it was good that he came out and took blame and and personally apologized to everybody. Yeah. Uh, and I will say I thought Graham in his interview post crash, you know, because they asked him, you know, what are your thoughts on what happened? And he was like, well, I haven't seen it, so I can't really, you know, say one way or the other. And yeah. then, you know, he kind of watched it live and he was like, well, you know, typically the last guy in, should, you know, first one out, whatever. Um, when, you know, he's like, and we don't typically drive three wide there and this and that. But, you know, I felt like he was very gracious about the fact that DeFrancesco was a rookie. He wasn't, 
you know, like he should have known better and he doesn't have any business doing this. And, you know, it wasn't like that at all. I think right. he had very much more of the like, well, you know, hopefully he'll learn from this and won't do this again on an oval. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, and I mean, sure, you know, give give everybody a chance or two. But if it turns into a bad habit, then, you know, somebody's got to sit down and have a talk with him. Yeah, I, I don't feel like our paddock has any problem addressing an issue like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't think they have any issues. Yeah. Uh, which uh, DeFrancesco did get penalized for avoidable contact on that. Yeah, what, what ended up being his penalty? I don't know. It said pending on the last one that I saw. Yeah, I'm looking at the box score, too, and that's what it says. So Yeah. Who knows? Make him start at the back at at, uh, <laughs> at Long Beach. That's probably what I would do. Right. Or it could be one of those because um, where they put him on probation like they did with Sato. Yeah. Double secret probation. Yep. So, but you know, in, in between uh, DeFrancesco and, and Grosjean is uh, Kyle Kirkwood, who, you know, yeah. I always got to remember, like, when I'm, you know, um, covering a sport that it's like, you got to be careful with hot takes, you know? I mean, I've seen too many, like, games where a team will get up big early on. Somebody's like, oh, these guys suck tonight or whatever. And then they come back and win, you know, sort of thing. So I had sent a tweet out when Kirkwood had moved into the top ten that I said, he's really freaking good. Which, I mean, he is. But he then, then he becomes, you know, then he becomes the rookie sacrifice. And, <laughs> and I, I felt like I had to, to eat my words. But, but uh, you know, where did he start? He started 23rd. Uh, 23rd, oh. yeah. He so worked. he didn't qualify great. It was not good qualifying for, um, right. for AJ Foyt Racing, unfortunately. But, I mean, he was like the pass master on those restarts yes yeah and and just having um you know young guy courage is always a is always a good thing but yeah i mean i think he had one you know he had 10 passes on one restart or something yeah it's like that but um you know yeah he was great up until up until the point he uh he crashed which I mean, I haven't seen a replay of the race yet, so um, I'm probably going to go um, watch that later today. But, I, you know, I mean, I think I said this on the last show. I mean, I've been watching him race since he was 16, and, and I mean, he just, um, you know, he's just so good. And He is very good. Yeah. Although I'm going to put in a, a, a good plug for, uh, for my man, Baltazar Leguizman, because Balta, who, you know, he's been... Racing at home the last couple of years, I know he wants to get back up here, but he, you know, he was one of the few guys I saw that could go wheel to wheel with Kirkwood. And so um, I really want the world to uh, meet Balta at some point, but um, I'll keep my fingers crossed on that. But, but no, you know, I mean, Kyle just, uh, he just knows how to win. He knows how to get to the front. Um, probably just needs to learn to be a little more patient um, because realistically, when you're in, when you're winning eighty percent of the races you're driving in or whatever ridiculous number it was as he was working his way up the ladder, you're running up front. So, uh, you know, I don't 
think he really ran in traffic a heck of a lot. So, um, you know, um, I think he just needs a little experience and a little patience. And but so far, I think he's he's uh, overperforming in that car. I think that's really all you can say about it. Yeah, I think he's doing very well. And uh, yeah, I would love to I would love to see him continue to do well and and get some top 10 finishes for AJ Foyt Racing. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's I think that's possible, and and then that certainly um, you know opens the door opens a lot of doors for him. You know, I mean, I think you know I really feel like we're a couple of years away from quite a bit of transition in the paddock. You know, in terms of um, the old guard is getting old. You know, and and mm-hmm. so. Um, you know, of course, they all still have their fastball. You look at how well Elliot was doing. You look at um, Scott Dixon. You look at how Jimmy did. You know, I mean, it's yeah. certainly not. It's certainly not. You know, performance based. But you know, you, you reach a certain point in your life where it's like, okay, I've made it this far. I've accomplished everything I wanted to, and I'm still healthy and physically put together. I think I'm done. You know, and so um, it it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, a couple of guys in the next year or two, and I'm not going to name names, but just a couple of guys in the next year or two are probably just going to end up, you know, moving on. And so, yeah, as long as he keeps doing what he's doing, he's going to have quite a few doors open for him. I agree. I agree. I, mean, uh, I, I think he ends up, I think he, he ends up back at... Uh, um andretti at some point or or ganassi one of the two it's definitely possible yeah ganassi likes to pick up other teams discarded rookies yeah yeah well the the way he picked up uh polo and erickson and erickson i mean you look at you look at polo and and he said um last year was 2020 so he said in 2020 that right after mid Ohio, he said, you know, he didn't know if he had enough money to continue past the 2020 season. And right about that time was when he got the call from chip. So, mm-hmm. you know, so lucky for him and lucky for all of us, you know, cause, uh, um, that he got that lifeline like that to continue his career and he's made yeah. the most of it, of course. So, Oh, he certainly has. Yeah. He certainly so has. But I mean, I, you know, and I'd even look for, uh, you know, if, if there's if there's money out there, I could see a team like Ganassi just even expanding their stable to take in a guy like that, knowing that, you know, knowing that the status of their team and everything like that, that, that he could be a, you know, he could be one of their number ones for a long time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, our uh, pole setter, Felix Rosenquist. Only finished 21st. He had some mechanical gremlins. That was quite disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was running really well. Um, he was. I mean, he didn't lead any laps, surprisingly. No, he got, yeah, he got passed very quickly. Um, but he was having a decent race. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, you, you, you just, you know, um, Texas does well for him. I know he hasn't gotten the results he's wanted. Of course, the Texas, but he knows how to get around there fast. He and, does. And so it's just a matter of, um, you know, one day seeing what happens when he can, can complete 248 laps. Um, you know, because you look at what his rookie year and he crashed near the end. Um, forget what he did last year. And then, you know, he was on pole. And, um, 
and put together a solid race until he had to drop out. So yep. Um, yeah, no, that was just that was unfortunate. Yeah, but then you know you look at um you look at Pato Award and and um and we talked about what you know how mistakes can cost you. Yes. Uh, at Texas and to me and he had the fastest lap of the race um and he was really especially at the end of the race um still being a lap down but he was moving up through traffic i mean i think he had i think he had the best car uh on sunday but but he made that dumb mistake where he you know hit somebody and get you uh, restart at the back of the field and yeah and plus before that he you know, as a result of the stop, then he lost, I think he lost, you know, he lost one lap and then he had to start at the back of the field, you know, on, on the next restart. So, um, that pretty much ruined his day, but yeah, I, from what I saw, just, you know, the, the quote unquote, eye test. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think he had the best car in the field. He so. definitely had a good car. It was just, yeah, some, some bad luck. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you who else's result doesn't really match because of two penalties is uh, Connor Daly. He started 16th, only finished 18th. Um, two different pit speed violations that resulted in two drive throughs, which at a track like Texas, that'll jack you up. Yeah, yeah. And sp- pit speed violations, I mean, they, they spend so much time practicing that. and, and Well, and and there's a speed and, limiter. So I almost, I'm yeah. like, was it broken? Yeah, you, like you it, it had there. to be. He had to be doing it manually. There's, I mean, otherwise, whoever um, calibrates that, yeah, should maybe stu- study a little bit more on how to calibrate that. <laughs> right. Like, either it broke or somebody fucked up their job. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm just hoping for, you know, a good result for him at some point. I mean, he certainly has been, you know, driving well enough to get a good result. It just, you know, pretty much ever since Indy, it really hasn't happened. Last year, it hasn't happened for him. No, and there's just been, I mean, weird bad luck things that have happened. Um, Yeah. And I don't think is necessarily indicative of what he can do. Yeah, but I think... Because, I mean, a couple years ago, he finished, like, fifth or sixth at Mid-Ohio. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so, I mean, he can make some moves. I mean, he got a, you know, he won a pole in a Carlin car last year. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, the boy knows how to drive. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, and again, I think we talked about it last week, just the importance of qualifying. You know, I mean, it, it's just so difficult. What did he qualify? 16th, which is very surprising for Ed Carpenter Racing. Yeah, the fact that... um you know, he and Ed were, were just so far. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Ed only qualified 21st. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That they were so far off. And then, you know, uh, you know, Renus came through to, you know, get get some of their, you know, getting up to the front. But for some reason, you know, he got up to the front for a few laps. And I thought he looked pretty good. I thought he even looked good enough. I was thinking about what, uh, you know, if I wrote a blog post, what I wanted to the lead to be. And I had it for him. So I was a little disappointed because I thought it was a good one. So I was really disappointed when he started falling back. But, um, you know, a top 10 finish is a top 10 finish. I mean, especially it means more now with 27 cars in the field. Um, Oh, certainly. 
you know, when there's 21 or 22, a top 10 finish is still midfield. But when, you know, we're getting up to 27, 28, even 30 cars at some point, you know, that, that a top 10 is, is a really solid finish. And then, um, you know, and then behind or just ahead of him was um, Ferrucci. I live in Dallas now and I happen to get out of bed and get offered a ride. <laughs> you know? God, right. He was going to have friends over to just watch the race and and uh, dick around. And then they were like, hey, uh, what do you <laughs> yeah. feel about driving? Which yeah. I mean, he arguably had the best race of anybody. Yeah. I mean, moving forward, 18 spots. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I some was, of that was... was attrition, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. But um, I, I, I feel bad for uh, for Harvey because, you know, you look at how well he performed in, in that car. I'm sure, uh, I forget what Jack qualified, where he qualified at, but it wasn't last. You know, so I'm I'm sure he was a little disappointed because that was a that was a uh, that was a good machine on Sunday. I'm sure. Well, I'm sure he was. Although they did not qualify well. Um, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan as a whole. Because let me look and see where. Yeah, because Graham qualified 26th, and then Lungard qualified 24th. I mean, they were they were behind Foyt in qualifying. Yeah. It was not a good day for them on. On Saturday, yeah. that's for sure. But then it's really interesting when you when you look at the the top uh, the top eight. I mean, man, you're talking you know so much uh, star power, so much um, international racing. You know, you got you got Newgarden, you got McLaughlin, you know, a supercars champion. You know, Erickson drove a hundred races in F1. Power and Dixon and you know, those guys, and then Polo and Pagano. I mean, man, there was a lot of star power at the front of that race. I was kind of disappointed to see the race end. Because, I was, too. Yeah, because all those guys were, were driving, you know, were, were racing really well. And they were they were getting passes done. Um, they were, that, and they were. Race, which, you know, I mean, the last pit stop was, what, 50 laps from the finish? So they were making passes on bad tires. I mean, oh yeah. yeah. So because uh, the race pace obviously had slowed slowed down, and uh, but they were still able to make passes. And and I know, uh, you know, especially that threesome of uh, Dixon Johnson and uh, Pagano, you know, they were having a nice battle out there. Yeah, um, they were down down the stretch. So trading back and forth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, let's see. We'll just kind of skip to David Malukas. He finished 11th, started 19th, and mm-hmm. probably had the uh, save of the day. Yeah, yeah. The, really interesting. I'm looking on here. He made, you know, everybody made uh, most of the drivers. Uh, Pagano made four, but or oh, Ferrucci made four, but the rest of the guys in the top ten all made three stops, and Malukas made five. So, so, you know, pretty interesting to see that he he made, uh, you know, two extra pit stops and he still, um, you know, I think if I remember right, I think he like topped off one stop was topping off as a result of Rossi's yellow. 
So, but still, I mean, you know, two extra pit stops and he still finishes on the lead lap. So that's pretty um, impressive and says a lot for that pit crew. Yeah. And, and also for him as a driver, I mean, he's been, um, quietly working his way up. I think he's, I think he's a guy who's been quietly improving his racecraft as, as he's, as he's moved up. And so, uh, and I love to see it cause he's a Chicago guy. And so, um, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I think he's he's just somebody who he's who's been getting better as he's worked his way up the ladder. And, and you know, with this kind of result, you got to figure that, you know, his best days, his best racing days are, are, you know, still ahead of him. And I think he, you know, might be another person to think about, even though, you know, I'm going on facing this off of two races, but maybe he's another person who, uh, you know, is going to have a chance to you know, make a step up to a bigger team uh, Absolutely. in the next couple of years. Because, you know, I mean, um, you know, he has the talent, he has the funding, you know, so um, mm-hmm. there's nothing stopping him from no. being able to move up. So, um, you know, he may be one of those guys, you know, we kind of thought that about Polo, um, you know, in, in, uh, in uh, 2020 and the, and the fact that it's like, yeah, he's good and he's driving pretty well and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, he moves up and he turns into a superstar. And right. You just kind of wonder if, if, you know, that might be in the cards for, uh, for Malukas as well. Definitely could be. Well, and fun fact um, about <laughs> Dale Coyne, he only signs one-year contracts. Uh-huh. So every year you are driving for your ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's All true. those years that he had Seabass, they signed a new contract every year. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I kind of think... dig it, though, like. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, you look at him and, and, uh, you know, I mean, funding and all that kind of stuff is, is very, very important to that team. And so, yeah, you don't want to get contracts signed. And then, you know, if you got guys who, you know, bring in the funding, yeah, then sign another contract and let's go again. Yeah. (laughs) So, so, but it's always, it's always good to see, you know, they've really moved into, um, you know, just a level below the, you know, we used to, I remember when Dale Coyne was a driver and he was, a, he was a punchline to a lot of jokes and, you know, but he's just, it's taken him a long time, but he's plugged away and he's built a pretty good team. And, he really uh, has. Yeah. You know, he gets a win here and there and, and uh, he's been the, the stepping stone for a lot of drivers. Um, he has. Who, he's who started out with him. So definitely uh, shown himself to be a contender. What's that? I said he's definitely shown himself to be a contender as yeah. far as, yeah, his team goes and his drivers. Yeah, but and also you look in, in terms of um, how long he's been in IndyCar, I think um, that Penske is the only organization that's been in IndyCar. Um, and, and and we'll just count, even count, you know, the split years and stuff like that. But, you know, in open wheel racing. I think yeah. uh, I think Coin is is second to Penske in terms of longevity. I think. <laughs> you may be right. I, uh... I, I I looked that up recently, and I and I thought I mean you go back to when you know he was he you know was an owner driver at the time he was a driver. So um, yeah, I think there might have been a year or two where 
they didn't put a program together. But otherwise, I mean, he's been at it for a long time. And, and uh, it just seems like um, I think having, you know, Justin Wilson was a real boost. Having Seabass was a real boost. Mm-hmm. And I think um, those were two guys that were really instrumental in, you know, getting the program to to where it is now. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. Um, of course, my favorite, Simon, finished eighth. The only one on my fantasy team to actually finish. So thank you, Simon. <laughs> Appreciate you. Um, we already discussed uh, Polo finished seventh. He started 11th. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, our second hard charger um, made t- made up 12 spots. Started 18th, finished sixth. Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. Well, and I, I say, and, and I have been vocal about not loving the excessive Jimmy Johnson TV coverage. And that is not a criticism of Jimmy Johnson and his driving ability. Um, it's just with the road courses and things, I was a little, little over the excessive obsession with Jimmy Johnson. Um, yeah. Or maybe obsession is not the right word, but, you know. Um, but I will say, Jimmy Johnson lived up to the hype this week. Yeah, well, I mean, Texas is, was a great track for him to do. I think I saw um, up on uh, the big Haas screen, um, it said something like he'd completed, like, over 11,000 laps at Texas. Yeah, like, so, and in the the next closest person in IndyCar, I mean, wasn't even close. Yeah. It was, like, yeah. 500. Like, they maybe had, they didn't even have 50% of the laps. Yeah, and so he, you know, he absolutely, you know, knows Texas very, very well, um, you know, and and he even said last year that he thought that that oval racing, and at that point he hadn't decided to go to ovals, but he was thinking about it just because he said that's where I can be really super competitive, and mm-hmm. and he was certainly that. I mean, to be, you know mixing it up at the at the end of the race with the guys he was doing and just how um, methodical, you know, he was going. And he certainly had a lot of fans in the stands because once he got to the top 10 and he was making a pass, uh, there were a lot of people that were uh, that were cheering for him. But, yeah, I don't know how That's many awesome. times I don't know how many times Jimmy's going to run up front um, in IndyCar. But uh, but, man, he, he certainly looked um, he looked Jimmy Johnson of old. On yeah, Sunday. I mean he. Yeah, I mean he, he was making moves like a seasoned IndyCar driver. Right, right. Honestly, um, it wasn't like he was out there. You know, he's he's been racing for too long to make stupid mistakes. Right. You know, it's not that's not his jam. Um, that's one of the things that I do respect about him on the road and street courses. You know, even if yeah. he is in the back, he gets out of the way of the other cars that are racing for position. Um, yeah. He's very respectful on the race course, and. And he was this last weekend as well. He just was very respectful as he spanked a lot of people's asses. Yeah, yeah, but you, but you got to figure. I mean, um, you know, he's he's in a he's in a good car. He's in a car that um, goes fast on ovals. So I mean, um, TK's gone fast. I, I mean, assuming that's the same car, but I mean, you know, TK's gone fast in it. Uh, you know, you look at Ganassi. I mean, shoot, they had what? Or the top eight, and right. this correctly. I mean, yeah, they had you know. third, fifth, sixth, seventh. Yeah, so I mean, they were monsters on on uh, on Sunday, and and it's like, man, do we 
you know, May's not really super far off. Do we take them as maybe, you know, well, I guess it always ends up with them and Penske as as teams to beat. But, man, they, they really seem like uh, they and Penske certainly have, uh, once again, I guess we could say, have uh, have the edge um, looking ahead to, uh, to May because, really, you know, Will Power finishes fourth. I, I didn't really hear much. That was the quietest fourth place I've ever seen anybody finish. You know? I know, right? <laughs> he just kind of made his moves and got up in there. And I think it was because there was so much else happening. And I will say that is something that I definitely noticed watching the broadcast versus being there. And it's one of, one of the reasons I hated to have to miss this race this year in yeah. person. Um, because the cameras you know, show what, show as much as they can, but, you know, you can't predict the future. And so right. it's a race where I wish that we had the option of when I was watching, you know, when I'm watching at home that I could have an aerial view at all times, because yeah. there is literally something happening all the time on every part of the track. Right. Right. And, and, and especially because, especially you know, as I said before, the, the, you know, even though it's not quite, um indie speed i mean because the track's smaller and everything it looks a lot faster you know when, when you're there um you know that i mean it just looks so incredibly um especially once it's one thing when cars are out there once or twice but man when you know i saw somebody post a video on social of uh you know the start of the race and all 27 of those cars you know ripping through the first turn and then you know, they spread out a little bit, and then all of a sudden it looks really super fast. Yeah. Which it tends to leave you missing something. Would <laughs> tends to, you know, have you miss something during the broadcast. Yeah, it doesn't exactly translate the same way. But, uh, but yeah, there was just, like you said, it was a quiet fourth place for Will Power, and I think it's just because there was so much else going on that it was like, oh, yeah, and Will's in fourth now. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was, he ran up front, you know, he had he, he led 20 laps, so he was up there for a while, but, but yeah. He was. Funny enough, um, so McLaughlin, Power, and Dixon all started and finished in the same position. Uh-huh. So, gotta love that consistency. Well, yeah, I mean, you gotta look at, um, I'd, I, I'd like to see how many laps um, McLaughlin was either in first or second. I mean, I think the only time he wouldn't have been in that position was at some point during, like, restarts or pit cycles or something yeah. like that. Oh, 100%. Yeah, because he led 186 laps. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and yeah. so, yeah, I mean, he was he was up he was up there all day and commanded the front, the lead of the race for a long time. So, I mean, like we said, this is. This is definitely a, a different uh, different guy, and I think he was, you know, because they raced to win. Sorry about my dog, but um, they raced to win, and and I'm sure he was a little bit disappointed, or you know, or, or gutted, as uh, as he said with his with his Kiwi accent. <laughs> but uh, but he really kind of seems like, especially the more he talked the more he kind of understands, well, and of course he's, he's been a champion before, um, in, in Australia, but, um, you know how, he knows how this works to win a championship. And he does. It's just, it's just 
um, continuously staying up front, qualifying well, racing mm-hmm. well, and uh, as long as he keeps doing that, you know, I think he, I think he might be following the the Alex Pillow blueprint that you know you, you have a pretty good first year and then second year you go out and contend for a championship. I mean, um, two races in, small sample size, but my gosh, you got to consider him one of the front runners. Absolutely. Well, especially because he's, what do we say, 28 points ahead of whoever's second point. So he's basically he's basically a half a race ahead of people now. He is. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, but you want to go back to Rossi and, and uh, you know, mm. he's 27th with 16 points. So God. he is 81 points back already. So, and we've only had two races. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know, like Scott Dixon's always said, I feel like I have a chance if I'm if I'm within a hundred points, but being you know this many points down this soon in the season, uh, fortunately for him, he's got Long Beach coming up, which he's driven extremely well there. Oh yeah, and Indianapolis, where you know we know how good he is there. So um, you know, but yeah, he's got to use these these handful of races to to chip away at at, uh, at this and then you know circle of tracks that he's been so great at like road america and and uh some of the other ones so you know he's by far by no means is he out of it but you know i don't know if i don't know how well he's sleeping right now so <laughs> I, know <laughs> yeah. in, I know if i were in his situation with with you know um I'm nocturnal and have an issue sleeping anyway. So if I had if I had a little anxiety thrown in about, you know, how far back I am in the points, yeah, I wouldn't be sleeping. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, I bet he's sleeping better than his crew members are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And his boss. But, uh, yeah. Oh. All right, so Joseph Newgarden stole the win at the last moment, which was just such a beautiful moment in racing. I honestly was a little gutted myself because I wanted I wanted that back-to-back win for Scotty, Scotty yep. Mac. Um, plus, I really enjoy the charity thing they're doing, and so I was like, all right, let's get two of the three, knock it off the uh, knock it off, uh, or check it off the list. Yeah. And uh, so I was a little disappointed, but I mean. At the end of the day, it was a great day for Penske. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, one, and, and, one and, two, and four. Yeah, and and you know Joseph got uh you know got a little bonus there with um and this oh for it being the six hundredth win. Yeah, and and this is what you know why uh people I think want to race for Penske and why people will stick with him so long is I thought I read that um that uh. For the 600th win, I think everybody in the organization got a thousand dollar bonus. Oh, that would not surprise me. Yeah, yeah. So you know that that's just I mean people, you know I I, I think any um, criticism of Penske is just you know just that thing because they win all the time and everything. But um, you know when you look at how they do it, it it's like yeah you gotta you, you, you have gotta to respect, respect it. That. Yeah, and and that yeah to give Joseph that that six hundred dollars was was pretty funny. So uh, there's a lot of discussions and uh, you know in the press room as far as what he was gonna do with it or if it were taxable. 
we you know we just went through all the uh, all the scenarios with him but the charity aspect for him and and they're going to get uh, some of my money soon because I'm a big dog person but um his charity is an organization called Wags and Walks and so um you know it's pet adoptions and and things yeah. like that. so so I just want to throw out a mention of that since he won the race if anybody wants to make a uh, a donation to that uh, organization yeah i i do appreciate the the you know charity aspects of of uh you know what these guys do and the, and the things they uh stand up for so you I know too. i think that's and, very cool yeah and of course you know you look at you look at new garden and um just all really he's done for indycar and he's 30 you know he's still got a lot of career left and i mean he's had 21 wins um you know he could be in that 40, 50 win category by the time he's done, you know? So just uh, hats off to a guy that's really, really freaking good. I think he needs to win an Indy 500 here sometime soon, but, uh, but man, being that he's 30, he's already checked a lot of boxes so far. Yeah. Yeah. He certainly has. Yeah. So probably, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to look back and see, you know, a more accomplished driver at 30. That'd be fun to, to look up. I may do that sometime just, you know, to see, you know, a lot of these drivers and, you know, because it's funny if you go back another couple of generations, a lot of those guys didn't get um, started till late. You know, you look at the, you look at Alan Bobby Unser got started in their late twenties and, and things like that. And, uh, Mario didn't go to get to Indy until he's 25. So, you know, when you look at somebody at 30 with a couple of wins and, or with a couple of championships and 21 wins, um, I don't, you know, there's probably very few people who have matched that. Yeah. That's very true. So maybe Elio, because, you know, he won, uh, he won a couple, did he win all three of his 500s before he turned 30? Hmm. His third was close. It was close, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, other than that, you know, and we talked about this before, I mean, um, you know, very few guys under 30 have an Indy 500 win, actually. So, um, yeah. you know, maybe, you know, turning 30 or getting into his 30s is what it's going to take for for uh, New Garden to win a 500. Maybe. <laughs> I uh, I used to put money on him every year, and I just can't do it anymore. I might as well just let it on fire. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is, but he shits the bed at Indy, and I just – I wanted it for too many years. It, it, yep, I just can't. Yeah. I cannot put money on that anymore. Yeah, that that's the way I kind of felt with, with Hinch for a long time, <laughs> where I was like – oh, you know, for I, – I once said – well, first it was Tony Kanaan, and I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict Tony to win the 500 until he does, and then he did. So then I had to move on to somebody else, and I was like – I'm sticking with Hinch until he wins an Indy 500. Still waiting. <laughs> Still holding. <laughs> Still holding. Oh, uh, too funny. Well, um, overall, I think that the racing was better, the passing was better, and I think that as time goes on, since they've got the the resin they can use instead of this PJ1 crap, mm-hmm. that the racing will continue to get better at Texas. I think so too, and I think that's why they they really need to um, you know stay there. And and I mean, 
Um, if we'd have had the kind of race that we had the last couple years, um, I would be saying, you know, get the hell out of there. Right. Like, let's, it just, it let's just wasn't getting any better. But um, now that the racing's getting better. I just have to really question, um, you know, the promotion and everything that went on. I mean, I don't know if if the glory days for that kind of stuff is over because Eddie Gossage isn't there anymore. But yeah, I mean, a beautiful day, and I know there was a lot more going on. I mean, F1 and March Madness and all that other kind of stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, they really, and Sebring, um, they really timed, I mean, I enjoy having it earlier because it's a totally different track, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and honestly, Texas in June was hot. Yeah. Um, God, it was hot. But, yeah, having it in March, competing against that many different things. That's, I think is not great. a great choice. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, it was just a stacked up weekend anyway, because, I mean, if you've gone with a night race, you're up against, um, you know, you're still up against uh, the past Saturday night. And so, uh, you know, it, it, yeah, just a just a bad weekend. And, um, you know, unfortunately, IndyCar at this point is, is beggars as opposed to choosers. But I uh, really, yeah, they need to they need to kind of, you know, get uh, some of these track promoters in line and say, look, you guys, you know, got to do a little bit more in what you're doing. I mean, when you look at now, I haven't looked at how ticket sales are going for Iowa, but you look at what they've done to that. And I don't know why we can't do that with Texas. I don't know why we can't have a, a you know, support race or ARCA or trucks. I mean, trucks were pretty cool a couple of years ago. But, you know, just have some sort of support race and maybe have some music or something like that. It's just that, you know, people, I don't know, we've, we've sort of reached a point where it's like, you know, we want more for our money and just paying your money. And I know tickets weren't horribly expensive, but just paying your money just to go to one race. Um, well, when you look at the way that other race weekends are put on that aren't ovals, mm -hmm. there's just a lot more activity and a lot, a lot more going on. Absolutely. And so race fans are used to that. Yeah. Because yeah. they get that experience and I don't feel like ovals should be any different. I feel like our oval tracks have really lacked in the promotion and on the scheduling side of things. Yeah. Uh, I absolutely think that was a huge part of Pocono's downfall was yeah. that other than, you know, Molly and I drove nine hours because we have friends out there um, yeah. and we wanted to go out there. But would the second year, would we have gone back again if we didn't have friends and didn't have all that going on? Probably not because it was a nine and a half hour drive to get out there. You have right. one practice, you have qualifying, and then you have the race. And either qualls or the practice gets rained out every year because it's the yeah. Pocono. So first yeah. off, I don't know why we're not starting practice and shit on Thursday there. Yeah. And just build into the schedule that you're going to lose a practice to rain. Um, yeah. but make it a whole weekend. And I don't know why we don't let the indie lights on ovals on the, the super speedway ovals. Yeah. I, I, I am a big supporter of the freedom 100. I wish it would come back. I know that nobody listens to me on that, um, <laughs> makes those decisions, but, uh, I think that it's important for them to have that oval experience. And I think that should have happened at Pocono as well. And yeah. so Texas is kind of falling into that. I don't know that that gap of, well, we want you here, but we're not 
going to really do anything extra to keep you here. It's yeah. like, well, we're going to need you to do something extra. Like, we, we all have to work towards the same goal here. Like, Iowa, which, granted, it did drastically affect their ticket prices. Mm-hmm. But based on where they're at, country concerts, that's that's right up their alley of the fans that are going to be coming to that race. And so having that much activity and other things going on, because also if you come with kids and a family, you need things to do. Right. It's not really a weekend getaway if you come to a race and you have to – I mean, not that you're not going to be with your kids and doing things, you know, but you don't necessarily want to be entertaining your kids like you're the you know, cruise director on <laughs> Disney Cruise Line for the entire yeah. weekend except for a race. Yeah, and, that, and that's a little tough, you know, when I, when I brought uh, my son Kevin, who's, you know, 21 now, but still I brought him when he was – probably 14 or 15 I took him to the race and it's like yeah we're just like you know sitting in the hotel all day waiting to go to the track right you're just sitting around waiting for something to do and yeah yeah, it's like there's you know they had that fan fest at St. Petersburg you could easily do that and have it in the infield you know fan fest by torchies and you know have it after an autograph session so people are still there and you know there's just there's so many options I feel like of things that they could add in. Yeah. Um, to that make it, yeah. Don't necessarily cost a lot of money and don't necessarily take a shit ton of planning. I mean, right. I certainly, although, although I'm school, really, I came up with a couple ideas right off the top of my head. Yeah. I'm really curious about the, the outlay of money to the, uh, to the talent that's coming for the, for the Iowa race. I mean, I don't think any of those acts come cheap. So, um, no. you know i'm kind of i'm kind of wondering yeah but if you can you know and, and of course the the great thing with that event is that you know i think indycar is helping promote it and they have great sponsors i mean hyvee is is oh you know hyvee is all in hyvee is all in yeah and you gotta love it you know but especially um you know, with the way money is now and everything, I mean, sponsorships, people aren't completely flush with cash yet. You know? No, and, and sponsors want to know that they're going to get a good return on their investment. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that's absolutely sure. Right. Uh, and I think, I mean, I've seen all over Twitter where people are like, as soon as that high V's built, that's the only place I'm going to shop, which I kind of feel the same way. Yeah. Um, as soon as there's one near me, I will happily support Hy-Vee because they have just gone above and beyond. Yeah, the nearest one for me is an hour away, so I'm waiting you know, for them to uh, make it to the Chicago Burbs somewhere. But yeah, if they if they you know build one here, I'm definitely um, I'm definitely heading over there to do all my shopping just because of how you know, and that's. Um, I think as a fan, that's what we really need to do is, is support, you know, as many sponsors as we can. So absolutely. And let them know, you know, if you're on yeah. social media and you shop at hy put out a post. I know it right. seems silly, but they have social media managers. That's one of the things they look at, um, you know, is are people actually seeing the sponsorship and using our product because of it? Right. Um you know, nine times out of 10, if I need something from a hardware store, I'm going to go to Menards. Why? Because John Menard loves car racing and he has been a sponsor of racing for years. And he's a very nice guy. I've met him before. Um, I'd love to to meet him because I just, 
you know, one of my racing unicorns is the Buick engine. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And the noise it made. It was just to me, it was it was the coolest thing. You know, and, and plus my my dad's company cars at the time were Buicks, so I mean I I was really you I was all in on those Buicks, but I get it. Know, they 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 qualified great, didn't race so good, but but leave it to to you know Al Senior being one of the only people to go 500 miles in one of those cars. <laughs> right. I mean you know I don't know how the guy did it. I don't know how in his era you could finish and then you know. Finish the race, but let alone finish in the top five in half of the races that he ran at Indy in an era where attrition was so whatever and just how well he could take care of a car. Yeah, and, impressive. And, and then, you know, like if you look at, at uh, his fourth win, how not only he takes care of his car, but then when, you know, he, the checkered flag was getting closer in sight, the dude got right up on top of the wheel and drove the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. so so you know but uh but yeah so al has that little asterisk in the fact that you know um he was able to take one of those cars 500 miles but <laughs> yeah he was but yeah john Menard did you know a lot a lot for indycar um still does mm-hmm. you know and and so yeah um you know there isn't a menards near me but if there were i would i would definitely be shopping there that's all right <laughs> I, I feel like I shop there enough for both of us. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of Menards. They have they have pet supplies. Their Black Friday deals can't be beat. Honestly, I got an amazing rug from them that was giant, like a 12 by 10 for like 35 dollars on Black Friday. Yeah, it, it, oh, it's like just, the, it, it's like the mall chase scene in in the Blues Brothers. This place got is. everything. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Oh. <laughs> well, um, well, well, I have to, add, to add just a couple things about about Texas, as I know a lot of people are wanting an alternative. Um, That's what I was gonna say. We gotta we gotta discuss that. Yeah, you know, everybody's looking for an alternative, and everybody's all of a sudden back on the and back on the Milwaukee bandwagon, and. Man, I, I just, I, you know, even with the racing the way it is at Texas, the way it had been the last couple of years, I would still take that over um, the last four or five years they raced it at Milwaukee. And, um, you know, as I said to you before we started recording, you know, flat, short ovals like that are great when you have massively high horsepower cars. You know, like when you go back to oh, the old days, but when you go back to when, you know, they had that kind of power. Yeah, you could pass. Yeah, you could, you know, but in the days of spec racing, the racing there has been just horrible. And I yeah. don't understand why everybody wants to go back so badly. Um, well, you know. you know, you know, race fans, um, you can't give us what we want because then we still complain about it. And we also have rose colored glasses on for the good old days um yes. we always like a different time better than now now is never good enough yeah uh, but and in 10 years we'll talk about right now and we'll say oh do you remember how good the racing was in the 20s and, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah like I, it's just it, it's just the curse of dealing with motorsports fans um so i appreciate your insight because yeah it's like let's let's remember what it was really like it's a short flat oval and right. so it did not 
produced great racing in the recent past, and it's unlikely that it will produce great racing with the current packages that we have. Well, and again, it's also the point of, um, you know, there needs to be other things to do. You know, I, I, and, and I don't care, you know, I, I know that track hosts ARCA, they host a lot of vintage races, but there just has to be something. I think a vintage race would be people love, people love the cars. I mean, that's. They do. At, at the end and, of the day, that's what the sport is about, is about the cars. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it is about the drivers, but, but, you know, when you walk into the museum at Indy, you know, and all those cars are lined up there, it's like, how can you. You know, I, I, what line was cool that? What line was that? Oh, I'll, I'll go with another movie quote about from Moneyball. But you know, how can you not be romantic about racing? And right. that goes into just looking at those cars and you know, just the history of the sport and and just you know, and I'm very much into the into the history of it. I mean, you know, I have a picture on my um, on my bookshelf that I really love of um, Ralph De Palma and his mechanic pushing his car, you know, after it broke down in, in, in the, the second Indy 500. Just oh, that's I, very I, cool. I just, I just think it's such a cool picture. And especially, you know, when the car dies and, and you know, De Palma said, well, you know, um, car's not going to run. We may as well get out and push it. You know, and you see them, you see them, you know, it didn't matter because, of course, you know, and that's the thing. There were six laps ahead. I don't know if they thought they could push it for more, a little more than a lap and still beat whoever from themselves. But, but you know, that that's really what what racing's all about. So I get the nostalgia, but you know, if, if all you're gonna have there is just one race and it's not a great race and there's nothing to do besides that, um, it, it just you know. I don't know. Do you connect it with the state fair? I don't know. Have they done that in the past? I don't know. But you know, I don't know. Yeah, because then shoot, you know, do it during the state fair and then have practice and qualifying be free, you know, and anybody that wants to walk in and watch. But mm-hmm. um, it's a great but, idea. Yeah, but just yeah, that that track just just does not work. I mean, there is no second line through the corners. Uh-uh. You know, so, uh, I mean, you're, you're even in a worse situation than Texas because that second line, it's more like a line in three quarters. But, but they showed the other day that they can get two cars through there, you know, so um, you just don't want to pressure luck too much. But, um, you know, some of the braver guys went up to that, went up to that second line. Um, but, yeah, that doesn't exist at Milwaukee. So I, I don't know if. You know, there's there's no chance for passing um, at that race because it's just it's not fast enough either. You know, because you look at you can also, mm-hmm. as we've seen on real super speedways, you know, just the arrow and everything like that. But, you know, when you're turning laps at 160 miles an hour, you know, you're not and and on a on a track where what the, the uh, straightaways are a quarter mile apiece, you know, you just don't have much time to pass if you don't have horsepower and yeah, and honestly, on a track that flat, I think people are really underestimating how slow the cars are going to feel. Yeah, yeah. and, and You know, the smaller the track, the slower the speeds are for IndyCar, and especially with it being that flat, it just, it's going to feel like they're way too slow. 
Yeah, and and you can get away with, and I mean Iowa, I know is faster, but you know Iowa is just cooler because it sits down in that bowl, and and I mean those cars literally look like fighter jets when they're Did going you? when they're going around Iowa, you know. But but yeah, just Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean what we've gotten used to as as fans and the speed of the cars and everything. I don't know if we'd really if if we'd really jive with that. I mean it's one of those tracks that was good for racing up to a certain point but i think maybe it's just kind of uh um you know in this day and age and with the cars we have i I just don't know if it's really applicable to any cars it's unfortunate but you know um i think it's just one of those things plus 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 if you're going to promote that race you would have to to pile millions of dollars into it and who's going to want to do that right (laughs) <laughs> I mean, for for that matter, if you're gonna, you know, pile. I'm being facetious here, but if you're gonna pile millions of dollars into something. Do it at Nazareth, you know. Right. Bring, uh, bring back a proper racetrack. <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? Uh-huh. <laughs> I never, I never saw a race there. Of course, I, I snuck in there a couple years ago, but good for you. But but yeah, I've never, I never saw a race there. I'd like to. uh you know, but no, that's that's tens of millions of that's high seven figures to to get that track back. And yeah. But but uh, but you know, but yeah, Milwaukee, I I just don't. Especially fans won't come out if there's not um, other shit to do. Other shit to do if there's not any entertainment. If there's not, like I said, you know, run a vintage race and then and then display them out, you know, in the infield and. Let people go back. I mean, honestly, yeah. yeah. And I mean, you don't even have to have a vintage race. You could honestly just have a parade of vintage cars and mm-hmm. then have them all park in the midway and people can walk by and chat with their owners. I mean, yeah. 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 Because so many of our fan base loves to do that. We have a lot of peepaws. Yeah. And there's people that like to talk. I mean, just love to and just, yeah, love so. to talk cars and yeah. Pop the hoods on all of them so you can see the engines and look at everything. And yeah, it doesn't even have to be a race, just something, just more activities really. Yeah. This, yeah. I think the uh, bottom line. Yeah. And, and, you know, so hopefully, I mean, Texas goes that route. I mean, I think, you know, now that, that it's a viable place for racing, Maybe they'll do an Iowa, you know, and and go all in on that. So um, they'll find a sponsor that's that's willing to do that. But at the same time, you know, Iowa's going to draw five times as many people, so it's more worth the investment at Iowa. So you know, I think I think um, priority one is just getting more people to come to the race. I agree, and I would recommend everybody go to Texas. Um, I did not because I was. Supposed to go to Sebring, but then I adopted a dog. Ah. Uh, and so I didn't go to Sebring or Texas this year, but next year. Next year I will be at Texas as long as IndyCar is back at Texas. Yeah. Uh, which I hope I hope we are because I do I do enjoy Texas. And, and I love going down there for that race. Uh, it really cannot be beat as far as the, the in-person experience at, right. a, at an oval – you know, the on-track product. I mean, it's right up there with the Indy 500 for action and with Gateway for excitement. Yeah, yeah. And and the people there are are amazing. That's, oh. That's the, other, that's the other nice thing it's about that. It's the most charming state. People are so nice. Yeah. 
There's a Bucky's right by the track. Can't go wrong there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I even went in, I had something to do up in the, in the ticket office. And so I walked in and I, it was kind of colder on Friday. So, um, I had a Cubs pullover on and, and, uh, the guy at the, you know, I don't know if you want to call him a greeter or, you know, whatever you want to call him. I mean, man, that guy wanted to chat me up about the Cubs in 2016 and how I went to game seven. And I'm just like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) which I'll do that. I'll talk about the Cubs all the time too, but, uh, you know, yeah, it was just, it was just, everybody is just so nice, you know, so other than the the guy, other than there's, and, and I went through this with this guy three years ago, you try to go on the pits on race day and, you know, I, I show him my media credential and he's like, no, you have to go back and get a vest. I'm like, I'm not a photographer. I'm just here. And I dealt with him the last time, too. I'm like, <laughs> gonna straighten that guy out. He's like, you have to go get a vest. I mean, all media need a vest. And I'm like, no, what? it's like, no, <laughs> photographers need a vest. Yeah. Media yeah. just needs their creds. Hi, yeah. welcome to IndyCar. Yeah, so I just went down and went in on the other end, but <laughs> <laughs> right, it's like you know what? Fuck it, not worth the argument. Yeah, just yeah. go to the other end. Yeah, I mean, I had gone in there a couple times, and those people down there seem pretty cool. So I'm like, yeah, it'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Oh, too funny. All right. Well, anything else you want to discuss? I I think we hit all the highlights. Yeah, we did. We did. On off to. Uh, Long Beach, I, I, you know, every time, ever since I went, you know, in, in uh, 2019, now whenever Long Beach comes up, I always, you know, wish I was there because that was, that's, that's a great weekend, um, you know, and so, uh, but yeah, I'm excited, uh, I'm excited to uh, see them, you know, especially on its, close to its usual date and all the stuff yeah. that Long Beach has going on, I, I think this will be, I mean, last fall was a really good comeback race for them, but I think this year with, you know, um, no restrictions, no nothing, no restrictions on crowd size, none of that. This, I think this race is going to just make a huge comeback this year. So oh, I agree. That's always a very well-attended race, and I think that, yeah, grandstands are going to be packed. I think the GA areas are going to be packed. I think it's going to look very much like it did in 2019, if not an even bigger crowd. Yep. Yep, and and you know just keep that rolling because you know, uh, you know, Indy's gonna be uh, probably about almost as big as ever too. I think. Oh, I I so, think so. Everybody just coming out of, you know, two years of sort of weirdness. Even though you know, I mean, a lot of us got to go to the race last year, but yeah, full crowd this year, going full uh, full speed ahead. That's gonna be pretty awesome. Yep, full send for for the Indy 500 this year. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, all right. Well, again, to remind everybody, if you want to follow Mike on Twitter, it is at 15 days in May. His mm-hmm. blog is 15 days in May dot blogspot dot com. I got that right. Right. Yep. Yep. All okay. right. Excellent. And of course, everything related to Fast Cars, Fast Girls is on our website, www.fastcarsfastgirls.com. Again, you can listen to the podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So if there is a hosting site that does not have us, please let me know and I'll make sure that we uh, we get that changed. Okay. Um, please like, rate, review, subscribe, recommend us to your friends and family, recommend us to your enemies. I don't give a shit. A, a listen <laughs> is a listen. Person. 
If they want to hate listen, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. It makes no difference to me if they hate listen or if they love listen. <laughs> a download is a download. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, again, Mike, thank you so much. Uh, yep. Two weeks in a row with Mike Knapp, and I'm sure we will uh, hear from you again later this season. Absolutely. And everybody else, thank you so much for listening, and have a great week. Yep.